Well, hey there, and welcome to the Brookside Baptist Church Sermons podcast channel. I'm your host, Lucas Roberts, and I'm excited to have you with us here today. In this space, we bring you the wisdom and inspiration from our teaching ministry. And each episode is crafted to touch your heart, to challenge your thoughts, and to strengthen your faith. At Brookside, we're all about helping develop fully engaged followers of Jesus, people who seek God passionately, love one another sacrificially, and share the gospel boldly. Whether you've been a part of Brookside for a long time or are just checking things out for the first time, this podcast is a place where you can find peace and love and the uplifting message of Jesus. So without further ado, let's dive into today's sermon. Would you pray with me? Father, you are so good. Your goodness is immense. It's present, moment by moment, day by day. As I look back on my life and experiences, I see your goodness, your hand of blessing, protection, leading, drawing. You are so good. And God, we sing about that goodness right now. And uh, I confess there are times when it's hard for us to see that goodness. So God, I pray that you would open our eyes today. Help us to see uh, just what you are doing in this place, what you are doing in this world, what you're doing in our individual lives and in our families. Help us to see uh, your grace and your mercy and your blessing. Even in the midst of painful times, even in the midst of uncertain times. You are the one certain thing. You are the one uh, confident hope that we can have no matter what is going on. You are the reason we can have Thanksgiving today no matter what's going on in our lives. So Father, I pray that we would not miss out, that we would not uh, somehow overlook what you are doing. God, we pray as we look into your word today, as we um, think about it, dwell upon it, I pray that your spirit would move in us. Help us to see not only uh, what you call us to, but help us to see how you bless us and provide everything that we need in order to be uh, pleasing in your sight and to give you praise, praise that we long to give more and more. We pray for your strength and your grace today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you have a seat? Uh, So good to be here today with you guys. Thanksgiving Sunday. My name is Greg. I'm the lead pastor here at Brookside. And uh, we are, um, yeah, we've just got so much to be thankful for, don't we? Um, God is so good the way he blesses, the things that he gives us that are untouchable. You know, too often my, my, my default thinking about blessing is, oh, you know, how, how's my bank account and how's my fridge and how's my car doing and all these kinds of things and how's, how are my relationships and the people that I care about and all those kinds of things are all great and they all have a part to play uh, in that. But God gives us such greater things. Um, things that are so much more valuable, things that cannot be touched by anything in this world. And if we can kind of focus on those things, 
it'll change our hearts, it'll change our lives forever. And that's an amazing, amazing thing. I don't know if you've noticed, it kind of seems like Thanksgiving's in pretty short supply these days. It seems like there's a lot of people who are not super quick to be gracious and thankful, uh, more likely to jump uh, in the opposite direction. <laughs> Had an interesting experience the other day. Julie and I, we were driving into town. This was, I think, Friday, coming in to do the old Costco run or something like that. And uh, Anyways, we're, we're driving along uh, March Road and... Uh, I'm doing what I, what I do now. I follow the, those of you that have been here for a while tracking, you know what I'm going to say. I'm actually following the 80 number on the sign. And I just set it on my, on my cruise control and enjoy the view and enjoy the ride and the awesome company of Julie. And it's just a great time experience looking at the trees and going and all that kind of stuff. And it's great until this guy in a Jeep came like, I noticed him like he was way back and I looked away and then I looked in my rear view mirror again and he was like right on my bumper. Like I, he couldn't have got any closer without hitting it. Um, and uh, he just, he was sitting there and I look and I look kind of through the, the rear view mirror and you see him kind of doing all these weird gestures and everything. I, he, I think he liked me. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he started swerving from side to side as he was going and like closer and back and forward. And I don't know if he was thinking that if he did that enough, the momentum would kind of shift into our car and kind of move us further down the road at a little bit quicker rate or something. I, I don't know. But he finally, like after a while, I mentioned it to Julie, of course. Uh, uh, but he finally passed by uh, and, and I made the mistake of looking over to kind of catch his eye. So he was going by, just curious. Uh, and uh, I, I looked over, he was like rant, like just, just this blue streak. I'm sure, I'm glad I couldn't hear through the glass. Uh, saw some interesting gestures again that I, I think I, I may have interpreted properly. I don't know. I, but I, I, he was acting like I'd run over his dog or something. It was like, what is going on? It's like, what, what did I force him to do for like three minutes? Follow the law. Follow, like, to not exceed the speed limit for like three minutes before he blasted past and kept going. And uh, I, I, I was amazed at how angry this guy seemed to be over what seemed to be nothing, right? Um, crazy. Um, I've never done that myself when I was young. Uh, but anyways, uh, what I was quickly reminded of was not only how easily other people get Angry, the spirit of anger can kind of spring up almost like that. Have a super awesome day, chat with your friends, and all of a sudden, boom, like you're going to explode. You're going to attack somebody. Uh, and and it's, it's easy to notice it in other people. But what struck me as I was kind of in that moment was just how easily anger can kind of rise up in your own spirit, right? How easily this sense of injustice and and righteous indignation can kind of start welling up inside of you. And it's like, this, doesn't this guy know that I'm obeying the law and he should be too? And he should be thanking me for helping him do that. And all, this kind of, all of this kind of stuff, or so I hear, couldn't go on in somebody's mind. Um, anyways, uh, we can feel unfairly treated and we can start to let anger well up. And, and we have a choice to make 
in that moment, whether it's somebody driving behind us tailgating, uh, or whether it's somebody who's offended us or said something or done, did something or forgot something, whatever it happens to be, we have a choice in that moment of what we're gonna do, how we're gonna react, what are we, what are we gonna feed inside? We have, we have a choice, we can either, we can either feed the, the anger that is starting, you know, it start, it's kindled and all of a sudden, pfft, it's a, this raging fire. We can throw more uh, fuel on the fire and watch the fireworks and maybe return a few of those gestures or maybe hit the gas while they're trying to pass by. We'd never do, or, or you know, hit the brakes while they're, while they're kind of getting up close to tailgate. Uh, test out your car horn, see how it's sounding these days, you know. There's all kinds of things that you can do. You can, you, you can, you can feed it or you can snuff it out. And sometimes that snuffing takes a while. It, you can burn your finger, but, but you need to do it. You, could, you can snuff it out before it has a chance to grow. Uh, you can reject it, you can put it down, you can put it out of your mind, you can get back to just enjoying the ride, enjoying the day, the flowers, the trees, the, the colors, all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, uh, by God's grace, that's what I did. Took a couple of seconds and few comments, conversation with Julie along the way, but I was able to do that and uh, enjoy the ride without fuming and worrying about all that kind of stuff, no matter how much the guy deserved a piece of my mind. Doesn't, it really doesn't matter. Anger is such a dangerous thing, and it is something that is, can so easily consume us if we allow it. And we're in this teaching series that we've called Destined for Greatness. Isn't that an awesome pick, by the way? Obviously, I didn't take it, but I love that. I love the imagery of that. We're destined for greatness by the grace of God. Uh, nothing of our doing, but his doing in us. He works in us in that way. It's a study of the, of the call of Jesus to, to the life of, of true greatness, to what it means to live a life that is actually on, the, on, on the, the same path of greatness that Jesus describes. Not what the world describes, but what Jesus describes. This is what true greatness really looks like. And this is what Jesus uh, shows to us. And he calls us to follow, he calls us to live in the same way that he did, to live out these principles of greatness that we're gonna look at. Uh, and, and along with that call is a promise from him, the promise uh, to not only ultimately uh, uh, give us his grace and strength to make it happen, but to see it fully realized in our character, in our lives, when we get to heaven. Like one day, I'm not gonna struggle with anger ever again. I'm not, going to str I'm not going to struggle with sin ever again. It'll be done. And it's like, hallelujah, I can't wait. Like that's, that day is coming by God's grace. We can look forward to that. We can have that as our hope as we work through these things. Um, we're not fighting a losing battle. Even though for some of us, anger feels like a losing battle. It feels like it doesn't matter what happens. I, I just trigger too fast, you know? And uh, we can learn by God's grace to slow down the trigger and to cause that trigger to lead us somewhere else. And that's something that we're gonna see. Uh, this, is what, this is what Jesus said. This is Matthew 19, uh, chapter, nine, 
chapter 5, verse 19. We looked at it last week for those of you that were with us. Uh, but Jesus said, said, therefore, any whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments, and he was just listing a bunch of them, uh, um, the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, they will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches, and teaches them uh, will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We have this choice of whether we're going to live our lives as followers of Jesus. This is assuming that you've already given your life to Christ. This is assuming that you've already found hope in Jesus. And if you haven't yet, there is hope for you if you will reach out to him. Like all that we're looking at is about somebody who has found hope and grace in Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that yet, he's waiting with open arms. He wants you in his family. He wants to show his love. He wants to show his grace. You need to accept him for who he is. You need to ask him into your heart and into your life, and he will come. He will forgive you of your sin, and he will begin this work of transformation in your life. That is the most amazing thing that any of us can experience. It's there for us. If you've already made that choice, this is what Jesus is saying. You, you have a choice. You have the option. As a follower of Jesus, when you get to heaven, are you, do you want to be called among the least or do you want to be called among the great? We, you've got, it's up to you. And it, it's going to happen. Jesus says so, right? Like the, you have that choice and we're going to see how and why and all of that kind of thing as we move along. Um, actually, the next five weeks or so, we're going to be digging into all of this because he goes on to say in verse 20, for I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees who were like the top notch, you know, they, they, they were the kings and queens of, of being righteous in, the, in most people's view if they're like, how do you live a godly life? How do you live a righteous life? Well, let's go ask the Pharisees because they know. They're the ones doing it, right? And Jesus says, no, they're actually not. And we'll see why in just a few minutes. Um, your righteousness, it has to exceed that. It's got to be more righteous, better than that, or you can't even enter the kingdom of God. That's like, wow, that's, that's pretty severe. So what does that, what does that all mean? We, we started looking at that last week. Uh, today, we're going to kind of continue to see how Jesus applies this. Because from there, uh, Jesus kind of launches into a number of examples, a number of descriptions. Five times he actually comes uh, to uh, the, 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 the righteousness of the Pharisees. And he says, and he'll say something like, you've heard that it was said. Da, 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 da. Today it's going to be, you've heard that it's said, do not murder. Like, don't murder, murdering is bad, don't, don't do that. That's the righteousness of the Pharisees, okay? And Jesus will say, but I say something else. And he takes it to a whole new level. And uh, we need to understand what Jesus is looking for in us, from us, for us. It's not just from us, but for us. This is what he wants for us and what he supplies uh, for us to be able to do. So, so we're going to take a look at what these things are, starting with this one about anger. And we're going to see that Jesus not only models it and calls us to it, but he ultimately allows us to produce it in us as we move forward, as we do this. So let's jump in. How does Jesus call us to handle, handle anger? How, what, does he, what does he expect from us? What is he calling us to do? 
when in this whole thing of anger. Um, he begins by, by saying, again, the example of the Pharisees, uh, Matthew 5, verse 21, he says, you've heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. You, if you commit murder, you will be subject to judgment. Pretty straightforward, right? Um, that's the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. That was the line that they drew in the sand. Don't cross it. You're good. And, and hopefully all of us here in the room can say, yep, I'm good. Haven't murdered anybody lately. You know, guess I'm good, right? And, and Jesus says, uh, hold on a second. Hold on a second here. He says, but I say, verse 22, you see, Jesus is beginning to paint a picture of what true greatness looks like. It's not just following the, the kind of outward almost superficial uh, outward external rules of the religious aristocracy. This, you know, he's like, this is what true righteousness really looks like. This is the kind of righteousness that exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees. Uh, what does it look like? Let's take a look at Jesus' way of handling anger. Jesus' way of handling anger. That's what he gets at here. Uh, it's described in five ways. Rapid succession. I'm going to do my pastoral rapid succession. Uh, I will uh, do my best at that. Uh, let's see what Jesus has to say. So step one, you know, what are we called to do? How do we handle anger Jesus' way? We release it. We release our anger. That's how Jesus begins. He says, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Like, he's not simply saying, don't take another human life now. Like, he, he's, he's, he, he's saying, this is not just about, you know, your, what you do to somebody or what you say to somebody. This is about just what's going on in your own heart. This is about what's going on in your spirit toward another person. Is there anger there? Are you allowing it to simmer? Are you allowing it to brood and to grow and to fester and to find ways to, to, to do damage to your own soul? Like that, that's, that's what's primarily first and foremost getting damaged in this is your own heart. Uh, Jesus is saying that is dangerous ground. Like don't go there. Don't allow anger to stay lodged in your spirit. Doesn't matter the reason. Don't allow it to stay there. It's just like I had with that, with, with that car driver. Um, you know, I had the choice to make uh, when, when the temptation to respond in anger presents itself. We have that choice. Am I going to feed it or am I going to, or am I going to starve it? Am I going to embrace it and give into it and like, oh man, I'm, they, they're, they're going to get what's coming and boom, 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 and oh, I'm sorry, I lost my temper. Well, no, you didn't lose anything. You made a choice. You make a choice every single time. Are you feeding and embracing or are you trying to snuff it out? Are you rejecting it? Are you refusing to add fuel to the fire? We have that choice every single moment. Nobody can take that away from us doesn't matter what they do. They do not take it away. Only we can. Only we can take that away from ourselves. Jesus' way of hang, handling anger, release it. Let it go. Yeah, but what if they did this? It doesn't matter. What if they did that? Doesn't, it doesn't No. See, there's more to it, but you got to start with your own heart. Have you released the anger? He says, he goes on from there, and it, it gets deeper. 
This, it's like, man. Not only do we release it, but we refuse to insult. We refuse to demean. We refuse to speak negatively to them or to speak negatively about them or to post about them or to do whatever we, we, we are tempted to do to say negative things about them. We, we, we just don't go there. Refuse to insult them. Refuse to demean them. Um, and this is, this is part of how you know if you've actually released the anger. If you can, get, if you can avoid doing those things and it not eat you to death because of that sense of anger and of, of injustice and all these kinds of things. I'm sure that maybe they, they did treat you unjustly, but that doesn't mean that it gives you the right to treat them harshly and poorly yourself. Um, Jesus said this, verse 22, we're in the middle of verse 22. He says, if you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And it's like, whoa, that's... Anybody here ever call anybody an idiot? Like, hello, like, <laughs> right? Like, be easier if it was like, don't do it more than five times a day, right? Because it's, this is a temptation that we all struggle with. This, this is not easy. This is tough stuff. And there's nothing, you know, it's not saying here that like, there's nothing wrong with saying what they did was wrong. There's nothing wrong with saying their behavior was, was inappropriate, that what they, what they did or what they said or what they didn't do or didn't say, that that was inappropriate, that it was wrong. There's nothing wrong, wrong in saying that we were hurt by what took place or by what they did or that we were endangered by it or, by, or that somebody else was hurt by it or something. It, it, this is not here saying that we don't seek to right injustice. It's not saying here that we just become a punching bag, but what it is saying is that we do not act carelessly with our words and we're not using them to purposefully cause pain and cause division and cause um, suffering on that person. Like we, we're, we're just not going to use our words that way. So where we cross the line is where we, when we start to make judgments, right? It's when we start to move from, you know, she did this thing and it hurt to she's a terrible person. He's a terrible person. We, we become judgmental, right? It's so easy to do. It's so easy to cross that line from they did something that hurt me to they're a horrible person. What an idiot. Like that, that the words can roll off our tongue so quick. Um, making the leap from <laughs> judging the situation to judging the person is dangerous. And Jesus here, he's saying, be careful. He's, he's like, now you are on dangerous ground. It's not them that are on dangerous ground, or at least they're not by themselves. You have joined them on dangerous ground now. Jesus' way of handling anger, release it. Refuse to insult or demean the other person. The third one, relinquish vengeance. Ouch. Man, happy Thanksgiving, right? This is, this is awesome. Hey, relinquish vengeance. Jesus said, and if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. And it's like, wow. Like, and, 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 you know, the, the, the term curse, like formally kind of means this, this you're, you're, you're invoking or you're calling upon God to harm them. 
It's like, God, I wish they would, you know, die, or I wish they would, you know, fall and break their, whatever. It's like, that, that's, that's cursing. It's like wishing them harm. But it, it's more than just that. It could be extended to taking any action that, that causes them harm, whether it's physical or emotional, you know, slamming on the brakes when they're tailgating you hitting the gas as they start to pass, like all those kinds of things, waving back in a similar fashion that they wave to you, like all those kinds of things that can lead to road rage, all that kind of stuff is, are, are you know, just simple examples of ways that we can curse someone else. It can be extended to any aggression, any, any way that we are trying to get back at them, to make them pay for what they're done, to exact our revenge. And Jesus here is saying, again, if you choose that, and it's a choice, we have the choice. Nobody can take the choice away from you. We have the choice. If you choose that, you are now the one in danger. You are now the one who's crossing the line. You are now the one who will have to answer for your actions before God. So Jesus is like, take an exit, like, Go somewhere, don't do it. Don't allow yourself to entertain those thoughts. You've got to put them aside. You've got to set them aside. And he goes on to say, here's what you need to do instead. That's kind of the, all the, 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 the parts that we need to reject in how we handle anger Jesus' way. We need to set those things aside. We need to put those away. He goes on to describe some of the things that we are called to embrace as well. Uh, as we kind of go on here, he's, you know, release uh, our anger and refuse to insult and relinquish vengeance, all that, all that the releasing and letting go stuff is combined with a couple of other things. And the first one that we're called to embrace instead is simply this, seek reconciliation. Seek to restore the relationship. Even if they're the ones who caused the harm, seek to restore the relationship. This is what he says. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, doing all, you know, hey, I'm, worship, I'm here worshiping God. That's where I'm supposed to be, you know, and I'm, I'm, look at God, here's my sacrifice to you. I, I, I praise you, I worship you. And he goes, really? What about that relationship? What about that other person? You suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar, he says. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice. He's like, don't sit there and, and it's like, oh, well, sure glad you're graceful, God. Sure glad you forgive me anyway. I'm just gonna kind of ignore all this. Jesus is like, don't, no, don't do that. Like, deal with it. Like, uh, sometimes I, I think in it, like, talking through this, we should all like, hey, everybody close your eyes. Those of you that need to go to talk to somebody, you know, go while our eyes are closed. Nobody will notice except we'll stumble over each other going out the door. Because it, it, it's, it, we've, it's so easy for us to do this. And so often we find ways to loop out of it and to excuse ourselves from having to do the hard work of reconciliation. Uh, sometimes we think, well, what, what if they don't deserve it? What if they don't want it? What if they, you know, whack me again, you know, I turn the other cheek and what if they hit it again? And Jesus, you know, Jesus doesn't say turn the other cheek unless you think they're going to hit it as well, right? He just says turn the other cheek. That's what we're called to do. 
in Luke chapter 17. This is what, you, what uh, Jesus said. He's talking to his disciples and he said to them, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Happens every day, all the time. But woe to anybody through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. I don't know about you, that doesn't sound very good. Millstone around the neck, going blub, 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 blub down to the bottom. Um, Jesus says you're better off there than you are causing one of these little ones to stumble, who he doesn't really define uh, who they are. But he goes on to say, so watch yourselves, which is kind of interesting. He doesn't say, you know, watch the ones that cause the stumbling. He's like, hey, you watch yourself. Watch yourself, because if your brother or sister sins against you, you need to rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them, And even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Anybody think, like, let those words sink in. Like, that is, wow, that's unheard of in our day and age our cancel culture, our outrage culture, like that's, that's not what people do. And Jesus says, well, people who follow me do, because that's what I do every single day. How many times do we go to Jesus? Lord, forgive me, I, I sinned. I, maybe I blew up in anger, or maybe, maybe I, was, I was envious of somebody, or maybe, maybe I, was, I, I, I was jealous of what they had or what they did, or all, whatever it is, and God, please forgive me. And what does Jesus do when we come to him and ask for his forgiveness? Nothing. He forgives us. Like, it's done, it's gone. And what if we walk, get up and we walk out the door and we do it again? And we go, oh, snap. Sorry, Lord, didn't mean, uh, blew it again. What does he do? Forgives us. We go back out, five minutes later, different situation, uh, different sin maybe, and boom, there it is again. Now I'm blowing, I'm exploding at my kids or I'm, or I'm yelling at my spouse or I'm, whatever it is that I'm doing. And it's like, oh God, forgive me. And I go back and, and what does he do? He forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives. And he says, do that, do that. Like, Seven times is code kind of in, in scripture for just keep doing it. Like, don't bother counting is what he's basically saying here. If somebody comes to you, if they've, if they've sinned against you, they recognize it, they repent, and the, kind of the condition here is genuine repentance, not just, oh, sorry, ah, you know, sorry, hurt you again, slap, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's, that's not what he's talking about here. But what he is talking about is genuine repentance, but with, with a trail of failure anyway. And God, through, through his son, is saying, forgive them. You must forgive them. When he shares the Lord's Prayer, he says, by the way, you need to be forgiving just as I did, or I'm not even going to listen to you. This is serious. <laughs> you must forgive them, it says. 
It's, it's, it's you, it's me who needs to be careful in these situations. Not just the person who did it, not just because of what they've done. Your choice now is how you respond, what you will do in light of what they did. Uh, we can either build up or, or cause others to stumble by that whether it's the person that we're dealing with or whether it's our family or friends or whoever else is around us that is watching and seeing how we're responding to this situation. Like either we have collateral damage, other people that get hurt because we, ch we refuse to respond uh, with forgiveness, we, we choose to respond with anger and retaliation instead, or, or we can have like collateral blessing. Where, where we act with grace and we act with, with love and we act with, with, with uh, forgiveness in our lives. And even if they don't accept it, even if they continue on their path and they don't receive the blessing they're being offered right there, maybe your family does, maybe your kids do, maybe your neighbor, maybe somebody else notices. And if nobody else notices and only you, you are aware of it, God notices. And he's like, good on you. That's awesome. Uh, None of this is easy though, right? Like this is, this, this is hard. Like Jesus often talks about how it's impossible to follow him without the spirits working in our lives. And the, the end of this passage right here, Luke uh, 17 verse five, the apostles respond to all this with kind of what I feel so often when I read this, it's like, Lord, <laughs> increase our faith. Like help. <laughs> what you're setting up here just seems impossible. Increase our faith. Help us to trust you. And the great, awesome thing, and we're just going to be able to kind of wrap up on this, is, is that Jesus provides what we need. He gives us the way to increase our faith. It's, it's there. If we'll reach out, if we'll experience it, if we'll grab hold of it, we can find newness of life no matter what's going on. We can find victory over anger in our, in our spirit, in our lives, in the way we treat people, no matter what's going on. And, and uh, the, the, this is what he says. Um, uh, I'm gonna skip the last one, the subtle differences. Lucas will, but it, it's, it's close enough to, the, to where we already are. So I'm gonna jump into uh, how Jesus provides for us. Um, the last one was settle your differences. That was when they're going to court, you know, you may be the one at fault. You need to make sure that you're doing everything you can. So boom, read that, study on it when you get a chance. Uh, but the, the question, how do we actually do this? That's where I want, to, want us to spend a couple of minutes because Jesus provides the resources we need for handling anger. He, reply, he supplies everything we need. And they're, they're actually found in the previous verses up earlier in the the. Um, lesson that he's teaching, the, the Sermon on the Mount, the earlier part that we would call it mostly the Beatitudes. Uh, Jesus gives a couple of things in there that, that show what Jesus provides to his followers that allow us to find hope in all of this. Uh, the first thing he gives us is the comfort of his mercy, the comfort of God's mercy. He says in verse seven, God blesses those who are merciful. So you show mercy, you act in grace instead of anger. He says, you, if you're merciful, you will be shown mercy as well. And, that, and the, the verse really works in two ways if you kind of look at it in its broader context. Uh, the first is kind of the obvious one. Remember how much God has forgiven you. Remember how often God has forgiven you. Remember how many excuses God had to be angry with you and yet he shows love and grace and mercy and he, he just wants to give you a hug. Like that's, that's God's heart for you. Um, remember what God has shown you in his mercy and it'll make you a whole lot more merciful yourself. 
You know, it's a whole lot easier to show forgiveness to somebody else when you realize how much you've been forgiven. And if you are a child of God, you've been forgiven. It's going to take the rest of your life, the rest of eternity to, to really comprehend all that God has forgiven us of. Like, we need to understand that. And as we do, we'll choose mercy. And when we choose mercy and we act in mercy, God blesses us even more. It's it's awesome. It's a, it's a, it's a tremendous uh, circular pattern. So we, uh, we need to be confident or we need to find comfort in God's mercy, the comfort that even if they don't respond right, they don't act right, whatever, we can find mercy and grace and strength from God. And not only that, but we also find confidence, confidence of God's adoption. Uh, he says, God blesses those who work for peace. Verse nine, God blesses those who work for peace for they will be called the children of God. They're the ones who will get that name, that moniker, that label, if you want to call it that. Uh, When we choose to love instead of to retaliate, when we choose grace rather than anger and and retribution, we act like our Father in heaven. And we demonstrate this family resemblance that causes other people both here and as well as in heaven. God himself will say, "You you are my child. You are a child of God because of the way you're showing it. There's evidence of it right there. Uh, not only does that uh, and can that give us confidence today, uh, but the third one uh, is the hope of God's reward. God rewards those who act this way. Um, he says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. Wow, be happy about it. Be very glad for great reward awaits you in heaven. When you choose grace instead of anger, think about it, you never lose. You can't lose. Even if it feels like you're losing in a situation or a a circumstance with somebody else, we will be rewarded. God rewards us. He's the one uh, who shows us his blessing as we do this. And we, we gotta remember that. Like in the moment, fix your mind on that. Be careful uh, that you don't forget. Uh, be thankful for that, that, that we have this reward waiting for us as we come to him. Day by day, we're one day closer to standing before God. And that day of standing before God uh, doesn't have to be a day of fear where it's like, oh no, I'm gonna be judged for all my sin. It's an, a day where we are going to be blessed for all of our goodness, all the good things that we did by the grace of God, uh, we will be blessed for. We will be rewarded for. That's, uh, that's pretty amazing. And the last thing real quick, and that's uh, the, the kind of the final resource that I want to mention anyway that Jesus gives us that we can use to, to, to help us get our handle on anger is simply this anticipation of God's praise. Anticipation of God's praise. This is what Jesus said in verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. See, if you love God and if you, if, you wanna, if you wanna see him glorified, if you wanna see him praised by other people, choose to refuse anger. It's simple. I, it, that, that's one of the ways. There's many, but there's that, that's one of the ways that we can grow in our, not only in our ability to walk in faithfulness, but we can see God's grace and God's uh, um, power uh, praised and displayed for all the people. You know, it, 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 he, the, the fact that God can change me and the fact that God can change you 
and your anger problem is, is amazing. It's like God is able to do that in us. God is powerful enough. His grace is deep enough. His love is strong enough that he can change a person who's struggling with anger into a person who overflows with grace. That is, that's cool. That's amazing. That's like, wow, God, good on you. Like how, how in the world did you do that? That's cool. That's amazing. We, are, we, we have this opportunity. And as we follow him, we can have that at the forefront of our thoughts. Like that's, that's a great thing. Because we are called to greatness. We, we are destined to greatness. And as we, as we learn to trust God further, to celebrate with thanksgiving all that he gives us right now and all that he will give us in the future and provide for us and all these kinds of things, man, as we grab those things and as we focus our hearts and minds on those things and as we learn to live those out day by day by the grace of God, we're not only making the world a better place, but we're bringing a smile to God's face. And that's something worth working toward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for just being so good to us, for being a God of grace and mercy. So often on, on Thanksgiving, it's, it's easy to look at, you know, the things that are going well in our lives and the things that are not and kind of put them on a scale and decide how thankful we really are. Um, the fact that you love us and forgive us and invite us into your family. Like, what could be worth more than that? That in and of itself is worth an attitude and a heart of praise and thanksgiving and celebration every moment of every day. And God, we, we uh, in, our, in our better moments anyway, we recognize that anger is only a reflection of our lack of faith in you, our lack of trust in you, our lack of hope in you. And God, help us to uh, recognize all that you are and all that you have done. And help us to walk in faithfulness to you, that we would experience more of the greatness that we are destined for today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us on the Brookside Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We hope that you found inspiration and strength in today's message. If you have any questions or need support on your spiritual journey, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Remember that you're a part of our community too, and your presence enriches our fellowship together. Before we say goodbye, please consider subscribing to stay updated with our latest sermons. Your support means the world to us. So as we conclude, let these teachings that you heard guide your steps and bring peace to your heart. Until next time, may you be blessed with love and faith and unwavering hope in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being part of our family. Take care and God bless.